How do you go about becoming a film director? Some people, like Orson Welles, Mike Nichols and Julie Taymor, began in the theatre. Others, such as John Frankenheimer, Steven Spielberg and Mimi Leder, started in television. Terence Malick, Darren Aronofsky and Andrea Arnold are graduates of the AFI. However, film school isn't always what it's cracked up to be, because Paul Thomas Anderson clocked out of NYU after just two days. Perhaps that explains why Quentin Tarantino got his education in a video store. Wes Anderson majored in philosophy, Catherine Bigelow studied painting, while Neil Jordan was initially a novelist and Francois Truffaut was a film critic. As for George Miller, well, the director of the Mad Max series used to practice medicine. A more conventional route is by making commercials. Think of Michael Cimino, Alan Parker and David Fincher. And then, when you make the leap to feature films, you either continue making commercials that last two and a half hours, like Michael Bay, or you do a complete 180 and end up making strange, slippery, but ultimately stimulating movies like Jonathan Glazer. Glazer is responsible for some of the most iconic commercials in the history of the form. How iconic? So iconic that Glazer was the go-to director for several global brands. They wanted him and no one else. And more than that, they not only afforded him huge budgets, those commercials ran longer than the usual 40 seconds. More than a minute, in fact, for Levi's, Cadbury's, Barclays and Stella Artois. The most famous, successful and awarded of all Glazer's commercials was the Guinness one where the white horses crashed through the waves. He is still waiting. And that's not to mention videos for Massive Attack's Karma Coma. Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity and Uncle's Rabbit in Your Headlights. I'm a rabbit in your headlights Scared of the spotlight You don't come to visit I'm stuck in this bed Glib criticism of directors who have moved from commercials into feature films is to dismiss them as old style and no substance. Yes, there is a gloss to Glazer's images, but that gloss is not superficial. It is glacial, and like every glacier, there is more going on beneath the surface than meets the eye. How can I say that with any degree of certainty? Because I can watch any of Glazer's three films, Sexy Beast, Birth, and Now Under the Skin, and never lose interest. Why? Because, and this perhaps stems from Glazer's commercials background, it is the concept. What set Glazer apart from most other commercials directors is that his best adverts were not narratively driven. It was the idea associated with the product, not the tacked-on drama. Likewise, his directorial control is so conceptually precise that whatever decision has been made, be it in dialogue, framing, sound or editing, Ray Winston's Yellow Speedos Nicole Kidman's pixie hair, Scarlett Johansson's faux fur coat, that everything has a very good reason. 
Here is Glazer himself. Walter Campbell, my co-writer, and myself were trying to put find. We started to just find, kind of grope our way into the into the story. Um, we were trying to put. We were trying to create these these set pieces almost. Quite you know, put down these cards quite early on in the, in our writing, which were almost putting her in front of things that we as human beings would respond to in a certain way. And then we could film her, we could then, you know, we could look at that and then we could spin our camera onto her and see what she felt. And of course what we're looking at is not, we're not seeing our own face, we're not seeing, we're not reading her the way you'd read me or I'd read you in those circumstances. We wouldn't, um, there was no empathy. Scarlett Johansson plays an alien in Scotland. And I am happy to admit that for some stretches of the film, I had little idea of what was going on. The surface beauty of some of the imagery was so startling, I found myself trying to figure out what I had just witnessed. And then, spending so much time doing that, I had to quickly snap myself out of my own head and try to get back into the film. That sort of experience doesn't happen too often in any film, but it happened to me quite a lot when I was watching and listening to Under the Skin. As startling as some of those scenes were to look at, the soundscape is of equal measure. Heavily layered and densely bedded with auxiliary tracks, the sound design by John Byrne often swamps out sounds of the events you are actually seeing. It is in that way that the film envelops you more as a textural experience than it does a narrative one. Am I keeping you from something? Uh-huh. Where are you going? Oh, yeah. For what? For work? Are you going to meet someone? Aye. Alright, thank you. Of course, there is a plot. A crucial plot concerning such enormous questions as life and death. And why are we here? Let me re-emphasise that question. Why are we here? Are we alone? What must be done to survive? Must we be cruel to survive? Or can we show compassion? What is sex? What is beauty? What is gender? How do we communicate these states? Glazer asks these questions, but not once does he ever have any of the characters declare them. Instead, it's all done by implication. So you live alone? Yes. And you love it? That is great. What do you love about living alone? You can do it like you. Do I go straight through? Yeah, just straight through. Okay. Straight through the whole way. The casting of Scarlett Johansson is a stroke of genius because Johansson, one of the most ethereally magnetic actresses in contemporary cinema, has a presence and an acting technique that is equally passive, inquisitive, alluring, controlling, enigmatic and seductive, all at the same time. It is as if she knows that in the right hands, her face can be used as a blank canvas to convey anything the film wants her to convey. Confusion, shyness, sadness, ennui, she has them all, but only on the surface. Beyond the surface of her skin lies the enigma, and in Glazer's film she brings it all to the fore. And that in part reinforces the meaning of the title. Johansson does not so much allow us under her skin as much as her mystery gets under ours. So otherworldly is she that driving about the suburbs and passing along the streets of Glasgow she may as well be a movie star walking amongst everyday people.
Also, the film benefits from a highly atmospheric score by Mika Levy. And coupled with that, it is edited with laser precision by Paul Watts. Consider the exchange between Johansson and one of her passengers while she's driving through Glasgow. Until then, Glazer had been happy to let the film breathe, with each verbal exchange being weighted with a few extra frames so the dialogue ends before the next shot begins. But then, suddenly, Watts quickens the cutting rate so the terrible tension is created. Is it to suggest the man will attack the woman, or will the alien consume the man? Shocked. You have a handsome face. Aye, yeah. thanks a lot, Jess. You think I'm pretty? Aye, you're gorgeous. Do you? Aye, definitely. Good. I've got any smiles, where would I be? Do I? Aye, big thing. I thought you were smiling. Perhaps it goes without saying that Glazer is more than just a little bit influenced by Stanley Kubrick. Yes, there is more than just a nod to Nicholas Rogue's The Man Who Fell to Earth. But the way Under Siege begins, with a close-up of an eyeball, surely reminds everybody of Hal's big red dot in 2001. And then cut into a motorcyclist racing through the streets, and then out into the rural landscape, it is echoes of Alex Delarge and his droogs as they go rampaging along countrysides before inflicting some ultraviolence on innocent homesteads. But then, as Glazer lets the sequence go on, so we have the lights streaming at us from right and left. And we are reminded once more of 2001, this time from the Stargate sequence. But also, strangely, it reminds me of the opening to The Shining. Those are obvious, but what about birth? For me, that's uncannily similar to Barry Lyndon. Both films are about male upstarts intent on usurping another man's position. If that does not convince you, there is a sequence in birth where an evening recital is interrupted by a miscreant young boy. Not unlike what happens in Kubrick's adaptation of Thackeray's novel, where Lord Bullingdon gatecrashes an afternoon concert hosted by his stepfather. And then you have Glazer's Levi Jeans ad, Odyssey from 2002. You know, the one where a guy and the girl race each other as they burst through a series of walls. Here is the music Glazer chose for that. What about the music chosen for the Sonia Brava ad from 2006? There, 70,000 litres of paint were splashed about a Glaswegian tower block. And segueing from there, you may remember when Glazer collaborated with Blur, Damon Albarn was made up to look like Alex in A Clockwork Orange. And I don't think it's possible to listen to the dialogue in Glazer's first film, Sexy Beast, and not be reminded of Alex's verbal mayhem. It's not about the money with you and me, is it, girl? It's the charge, it's the boat, it's the buzz. It's the sheer fuck-offness of it all, am I right? But do those comparisons bring us any closer to understanding what Glazer is doing? I don't think they do. They really only give me an easy reference point. 
They could and should include other directors, such as Michelangelo Antonioni, Ingmar Bergman, Luis Bunuel, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Now, I'm not saying that Glazer is actually like any of them, or ripping them off. I'm saying that he is doing his own thing. His voice is as singular as theirs. And just like them, what Glazer does is tantalizingly, seductively fascinating. My only hope is that after the incredible experience of Under the Skin, Glazer doesn't make us wait another 10 years before his next picture. <laughs>